We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello and welcome to another episode of the College to Canton podcast, the perfect show for any and every one of you college football and NFL fans. The NFL draft is behind us and we're on to this uh, long stretch of summer that we have to endure before we get to the real football action. We, we saw a bunch of spring games and we had all the mock drafts and uh, and so now what? Now what, what do we do with our hands? If we like college football and NFL, well, we, we break down rookie draft season for dynasty fantasy football leagues and talk about how these rookies are going to make an impact on our favorite NFL teams and our fantasy teams for this fall and uh, try to get ahead of some of our league mates as well in our fantasy football leagues and uh, just uh, you know uh, just have fun having a discussion with good friends here like my buddy Stefan Leco. good to see you man uh, it's been a couple of weeks uh, but I was really crazy uh, busy up in New York with mojo market stuff but um, I'm, I'm glad to be back with you yeah, man, this is good. I'm excited. We chatted, of course, a little bit throughout the draft, but you were you were working. So uh, I'm excited to hear a lot of your thoughts because uh, we have not really gotten to dive into to much of this stuff post the draft. And uh, yeah. we did a lot of it leading up to it. So it'll be fun. Um, Sean and I just had an article. Sean Siegel and I just had an article drop on Road of His going through some of uh, some of my thoughts and his thoughts and stuff like that. So it was fun talking to him. Now I get to talk to you. It's going to be great. Um, I, I still think Bijan is overrated by the community. I don't think he can do it. I think it's a terrible landing spot. He didn't get the draft capital. We hoped. I'm just kidding. <laughs> just <laughs> like, looking man. at your, looking oh, at your gosh. face. You were like, wait, what, what do, we, do I have to deal with this nonsense right now? <laughs> yeah. No, hey, none of that. None happy of that. Cinco de Mayo, by the way. Yeah. And, uh, belated, uh, May the 4th, mm-hmm. uh, be with you. I, I definitely Absolutely. celebrated that and, uh, got my son who is uh, coming up on 18 months, started on some uh, kiddie Star Wars stuff as well, just because yes. you have to. Uh, yeah, absolutely. As, as, as a dad, that is my duty. So, yeah. But uh, Okay, happy- I know we don't have a whole lot of time, but <laughs> can, if, we were, if we were drafting the Star Wars series, you can oh, gosh. go anywhere, and you have the 101. Hmm. What, what's your first, it can be like any of the spinoff shows, it can be any of the like movies, 101 hmm. Star Wars draft. Maybe we need to table this for uh, we can actually think about it. This, this could be one, its own, but... own, own podcast and then <laughs> yeah. compare them to various dynasty players. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no. 
I, I think movies, I really appreciate where uh, the Rogue One story is situated yeah, and yeah, how yeah. that set up uh, just everything with the original trilogy and kind of uh, pieces some stuff together. You know, for those that didn't, you know, watch Rebels or any of the other uh, animated works, um, you know, like real like crazy nerds like me, you know, it's just to, to get a bit of a prequel there is, is kind of cool. Um, yeah. And then the, the series actually just because it was just so well written and again, kind of sets up for the original tri- trilogy because, um, I mean, it's too easy to just be like, oh, Empire Strikes Back. You know, like I don't, I, you know, I, I it's yes, like the original trilogy, especially if you grew up you know, uh, you know, nineties and two thousands when there wasn't any uh, early two thousands when there wasn't anything else except for maybe the pod race scene in episode one, ever, whatever. Uh, so, you know, <laughs> yeah. but, um, no, and then Andor, I, it was, yeah, just cause the writing was so well, uh, in that. So really appreciated that. Um, and just the development answer. of that, cause it, that sets up rogue one, you know? And so it's just, that was just that whole, uh, part of the storyline I think is really cool. And so, yeah. Yeah, that's 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 I'll, the Bijan. I'll allow of, it. Uh... I'll allow it. That's the Bijan. Perfect. Um, yeah. No, that's good. No, I I I mean Bijan Robinson going top top ten. Um, we almost had two running backs go top ten. So crazy. Uh, but yeah, just what was your? I mean, I'm sure you were extremely thrilled for Bijan landing spot. What do you think of Jameer yeah. Gibbs? You've been high on Jameer Gibbs back from like Georgia Tech days, and mm-hmm. uh, I was always a little bit slow to follow just because. Georgia Tech scared me. That offense was horrific. But then, of course, moving to Alabama, um, yeah, you got to love mm-hmm. that he went 12th overall. Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, that wasn't necessarily the expectation, right? I, I, right. The, for those that live in the weeds of the mock drafts and uh, build out their own weighted projections or anything like that, uh, you know, it was pretty consensus that, you know, okay, late steam, he's probably going to go round one. But it wasn't going to be, you know, top 15 picks, like top 12 picks. Yeah, the Lions just didn't care. They, uh, they, they didn't. They threw all conventional wisdom out the window when it came to uh, positional premiums and investing in players that, uh, you know, you typically have a larger percentage of your cap allocated to. They were just like, no, we're just going to go running back. And then we're going to do it again with the linebacker selection and Jack Campbell. Uh, really, with two, I guess, back-to-back, what I guess what was expected, um, you know, two half round reaches or so. <laughs> uh, I know it's, it's funny to see that after the fact, cause like, well, Travis, like they actually went in this spot. So how is that a reach? But that's another conversation for another day because, um, you know, draft projections are actually really insanely accurate. Um, and, uh, you know, sticky, but anyway, uh, yeah, that was surprising, but I love to see it just cause I'm a huge Gibbs fan. And I remember conversations about him coming in like as a true freshman. Right. Um, and you know, debates as to, you know, Hey, why are you taking Jameer Gibbs when J- Jace McClellan is going to Alabama and, yeah. and now Jace McClellan is still at Alabama. And we don't even know if he's going to be a day two pick next year. And uh, Gibbs went in the top 15 picks and yeah. So uh, when they're going for the, the, the best talent and believing in the skill set and his versatility and yeah, it's just a, I, I think they're going to really feed him and, and use him as a receiving option as well. So Slam dunk uh, opportunity. It was going to be weird there if they actually kept Swift, but they. Well, and didn't. that's what made it so strange yeah. when it happened. Is you're like, okay, now yeah. this is, and I don't think they got much value back in that trade. Um, no. If you think about how much they gave up and what they got in return, uh, it doesn't make it look a whole lot better from an NFL perspective. But from a fantasy no. perspective, uh, I think it's pretty fun. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I mean, we have to expect that he's going to be. I mean, even if if, we, if you want to lowball his carries, like he's still probably gonna be a two hundred touch guy. Yeah, 
Yeah, I think yeah. He, his value actually, uh, I mean, I think it went up uh, considering all things. The other one that was super surprising to me was seeing, you know, after that first wave of wide receivers go, seeing Jaden Reed uh, get picked before guys like uh, Marvin Mims and Hyatt, Josh Downs and Tillman, you know, like, and, and others too. But uh, seeing Reed go that that early was, was I mean, I was surprised. Yeah, Jaden Reed and Jonathan Mingo went, uh, you know, earlier than expected. I know there was some late steam for, for Mingo from a few uh, different people, but, uh, and it made sense just because of, uh, you know, Frank Reich's obsession with the ex archetype wide receivers like Mingo could be. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, he's just obsessed. Yeah. Like, I, I still remember the videos of him just, you know, gushing over uh, Michael Pittman when he was coming in as a prospect. And so uh, I get it, you know, reaching for the big bodied wide receiver. Cause that's what he thinks he needs, but that was just uh, an egregious reach. <laughs> and yeah. so we, we always see, you know, some team do that every year, especially when, when you, when you get beyond that uh, kind of top tier at a position, but yeah, that was, that was uh, definitely kind of uh, confusing to see <laughs> Mingo and Reed go round two uh, as opposed to some of the other options. But hey, you know, I mean, Reed had a fantastic senior bowl. Uh, what was funny is like Mingo didn't, like that, right. that wasn't really a thing. Um, like he was okay, but like he didn't really separate himself. <laughs> uh, and so it, it was odd to see a guy who didn't really have a great draft season. He had a pretty good combine, of course. Uh, you know, running like four four six at his size and jumping. Uh, you know, I think it was like ninety percentile or whatever it was. But normally, you see teams that are a little bit smarter about not reaching for that. But hey, uh, we'll yeah. see how if it, if it pans out. And Jaden Reed didn't have good scores, you know, like his, yeah. his, uh, like I think his, um, explosive explosion score was like a 30 was in the 34th percentile. His speed mm-hmm. score was like low as well. Um, yeah, it was just surprising to me, but, uh, anyway, we can, uh, I don't know why I got off on, on those surprising. No, things, I mean, but- it's just, those, those were guys that in the same, same topic of just, uh, players that went earlier than we thought. I mean, like going a little bit deeper, uh, you know, there's there's some intrigue now, I guess, with how the team might have a plan for a couple guys like uh, Darius Davis uh, with with the Chargers. I know he's like buried there, mm-hmm. uh, at least for now, but he does have like on field 23 mile an hour top end speed. Uh, like that's verified. This is not just like eyeballing it like this is, you know, spatial tracking data, 23 mile an hour plus speed. Uh, and so that's difference making. Um, and that's yeah. something that they don't have uh, when you look at the rest of their wide receivers, whether it be Keenan Allen or Mike Williams or Quentin Johnston. And so they can manufacture some touches for Darius Davis. And he was, I had him as the, the biggest reach of the entire draft uh, because he was fringe draftable period outside of just his speed. Cause he, I mean, he's just basically been a gadget guy and a go ball guy and you know, you have to make touches for him. And so it just didn't really make sense to reach that early, but they're just like, Hey, we just want speed because we have none. And they, yeah. they saw they saw uh, Trey Tucker, who also was uh, went earlier than expected for many uh, to the Raiders. They saw him go just at the very end of uh, day two, probably, and they're like, "Oh crap!" Now uh, the speedsters, the, the speedsters are, are coming off the board, so they probably felt some pressure uh, to go ahead and get a guy that they're like, "Okay, we're convinced that he is unreal in terms of speed." But what was funny is like, if you're gonna get a speed guy get the fastest guy at the combine and Trey Palmer, like who's an actual wide receiver. Like that, that right. would have been, that would have been, uh, that would have made more sense to me, but you know, I, I, I get going for the, the verified in game speed, but man, uh, th- those two wide receivers, Darius Davis and Trey Tucker, it was just kind of funny to see them go as early as they did. Um, 
So, but yeah, I'm going to have a couple of these conversations in the next, next couple of weeks, just with some, um, actual, you know, really smart NFL people who've been doing this a lot longer than I have. So I'm going to get some good takeaways and information as to why they thought certain stuff like that happened. Absolutely. Yeah. Just, uh, you know, we think we know how the draft is going to go and we might be able to predict, you know, 85% of the picks, you know, by pick X, um, if we've got a decent model built out, but even so, like there's always surprises like that. Oh, for sure. For sure. Um, another surprise for me was, I mean, we talked about this and I know I'm on an Island here, maybe you and I are on an Island here, but Dalton Kincaid, not only being tight end one, but mayor, uh, falling to a tight end three. I actually had a decent bet on mayor to be the tight end one. Cause I got decent value on it and, uh, he was third. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Yeah, I was I was pretty surprised by that. Uh, again, I mean, Dalton Kincaid might prove me wrong. It might be great, um, but I was surprised, and I'm not as high on him as uh, a lot of other people are, actually. Yeah, I mean, and it's not like we don't like Kincaid, right? Like that's not right. that's not what I'm uh, that's not what you're saying. Uh, it's just that we have, uh, you know, maybe a couple more questions with him as, as a profile versus versus a mayor who's just got three proven top tier years and in, in pedigree and. Uh, and definitely more than adequate athleticism, uh, albeit, you know, that's the one area where people have had questions. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, it, it was a little bit surprising that he fell to tight end three for sure. Um, Laporta was kind of rising up the boards, I guess. Yeah. And I, I don't like that phrase because like for NFL teams, it probably weren't. But in terms of public consensus, he was. Yeah. Uh, but to go ahead of uh, Mayer, uh, that was that was definitely interesting. But yeah, Kincaid fits. I love the landing spot for mayor though. Like I think, yeah, yeah. Uh, like yeah, one of the I, Raiders I, is going to work out nicely for him with Waller at the giants now. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, I think really that all three of the top tier tight ends had pretty solid landing spots. I mean, Kincaid is just going to be, um, you know, that, that big 12 personnel that, you know, is really 11 personnel. Cause he's lining up as a big slot wide receiver. Essentially. I, I could see them doing that a lot. They, yeah. I mean, um, the bills were near the bottom of the league in terms of 12 personnel. Uh, last do year you, and so do you think Kincaid can play the vertical game though like he just seems like a, a eight yard out nine yard hook type guy you know like I've yeah. never really seen him stretch the field and maybe yeah, they don't need he, him to he can uh, and that's there some of his highlight plays are in those scenarios where he is running um, you know a slot fade or something and it's a contested situation um, but yeah, in terms of like creating separation out of that, that's slot that I'm not sure he's going to do that at the NFL level, but hopefully his skills at the catch point can get it done. Um, he got plenty of reps doing that because Cam, Cam Rising uh, did not really set him up to succeed <laughs> on a lot of those targets. Um, and so he had to make, make some crazy plays. Um, and so I, I, I get, uh, you know, going for the skill set and the, the peak year and, and uh, the incredible receiving production that he had in his final season. Uh, but it is just interesting because he he ascended from tight end two on his own team behind a guy who would never actually be a tight end prospect at the next level to, hey, I'm the first yeah. tight end off the board. And I, and I think Kincaid had like a career total of like 36 receptions going into his senior year, like came out of nowhere. Yeah, I mean, and, and that that comes with the territory of just starting at you know San Diego, an FCS school, right. yeah, yeah, <laughs> and yeah. then and then just climbing your way into snaps and by year four, I guess you're, you're finally tied in two. And then you have your big breakout year and tied in year five, I guess it was for him. So really cool story though. Cause like there are just not many lower pedigree guys that get capital at all anymore. Like mm-hmm. it was basically 
it was him uh, and Devin Witherspoon, and uh, that was almost it in terms of like the uh, like early pick guys with you know low star like two or no star pedigree. Like that was yeah. it. Um, yeah. Like there were, depending on the, the recruiting service you use, in between eleven and thirteen five stars in the first rounds this year, which is just absolutely that's bonkers when you think about how few five stars there are, right? Uh, right. In every draft class, so man, um, it, it, I don't know. Just de- definitely rooting for him because he, he didn't take the you know proto- prototypical stereotypical route to uh, being the tight end one for sure. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Do you want to get into? Uh... You're um, every year you, you, you come out and you, after the draft, you do a rookie poll mock draft on Twitter and you always get, you know, more than 10,000 votes. And do you want to go through that at this point or do you want to hit a break first or what do you, what, what do you think we should do here? Yeah, let's hit a break and then we'll go through that and uh, talk about some takeaways and where there might be some value gaps with some of these players. Perfect. We'll be right back. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we are back. All right, Travis, uh, take us through how you kind of set up this poll um, and uh, and then take us through it. Yeah, so every year I've done this since uh, I guess 2015 or 2016. I'm not even sure. I, it, would, it would have been on a different uh, Twitter account, I think, in, in 2015. But eight or nine years I've been doing this where I basically just poll Twitter to see how many votes I can get um, and just to see if we can get some consensus on these rookies. So. You can only have four names on each Twitter poll, but uh, you know you can get a pretty good idea of uh, consensus just mapping it that way. Um, you know, so like the first poll, I might have four players, and then uh, I'll, I'll put a, a follow-up poll like, "Hey, you know, while we're still seeing the votes come in for pick one, who do you want to see on pick two? And so you can at that point like have eight names in the rotation of like who's getting voted on essentially. Um, and so it works out to to be pretty. Uh, accurate and, and representative of, of consensus and, and helps me in rookie drafts. And I've had a lot of people uh, come back with me like, Hey man, this, this helped. I, I didn't have to rely. I wasn't flying blind in my rookie drafts right. that, you know, are this week. <laughs> and so 
Uh, I do like a pre-draft version, which is like in January, like just to see how accurate we can get in January and then have a post-draft version uh, as well. And it's been really cool to see the the community just get a lot better and more accurate at predicting the future, like three, four months ahead of the draft. Like, because looking at this year's January uh, edition of the poll, like there's a lot of the consensus that, that uh, we kind of already got right as a group. Like, B. John Robinson was the running back one already. Uh, Bryce Young was the quarterback one, and C.J. Stroud was quarterback two. And, hey, that, that that's not necessarily where it, it, it is now for fantasy purposes, consensus-wise, but draft-wise, that's the one, too. And then Jameer Gibbs and, and JSN, uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba, were four and five. And so, uh, yep, basically <laughs> almost shooting 100%. Quentin Johnson, Jordan Addison were still up there. Uh, and then Anthony Richardson and Will Levis. And so that's our top nine. Uh, it kind of went went off the rails um, uh, after that because Kayshawn Boutte was pick 10, uh, Zach Evans was pick 11, and Sean Tucker was pick 12. And Boutte, and, and it's funny because uh, really these were the only misses, and they all kind of had um, off-field stuff uh, throughout their careers uh, and or injuries uh, that really – caused the drop so had they not yeah, like, had those off field and injury stuff like who yeah. knows like how accurate this guy yeah, sean been. tucker still he didn't run at the combine he didn't run at his pro day like there's a reason he didn't <laughs> get any sort of capital you know like he's not healthy yeah and, and it's been funny because like there's still not clarity as to uh the depth and breadth of of his status because uh he was right. uh, apparently after his pro day was he was cleared that was a video he was pumped Hey, I'm yep. cleared medically, blah, blah, blah. I posted that video. <laughs> right, help. yeah, but but apparently that wasn't good enough. Uh, and NFL teams were still concerned to the point at which they didn't draft and you know give him any draft capital. But he ended up getting signed and, and getting uh, about similar guaranteed money to what like a sixth or seventh rounder would. So that was that was just interesting to me. But anyway, we we you know the, the community thought that he could be running back four. The community thought Zach Evans could be running back three. And Butte could be wide receiver four uh, back in January. But, and it's interesting because all those guys flashed like throughout their entire mm-hmm. career. And they had either pedigree going for them or incredible opportunity where they succeeded in a smaller sample or Sean Tucker, where he basically killed it for his whole career. But just, you know, stuff that we couldn't necessarily know with the off field. And uh, I'm sure, <laughs> I'm not sure, but I, th- there's a good chance uh, Evans didn't uh, rub everybody the right way, like he kind of had an issue with throughout his entire career. So we'll, we'll never really know what caused the drops there with those three. But besides that, like everybody else pretty much was top 25, 26, 27-ish uh, players in that first January mock. And so if you want to find this, that what I'm talking about, you can check out. Um, it's just on my feed right now. It's one of the many uh, tweets in, in a thread on the 2023 rookie poll mock. But at FF underscore Travis M, you can check out the results for the pre pre-draft and post-draft, but uh, it's just interesting right now to see where the consensus has land, uh, landed at, at this point because uh, the t- the first nine picks, uh, I use like uh, winning each poll by 20% or more as like a tier break, and the first oh, nine nice. picks yeah. in a row were all tier breaks by that criteria of, yeah, of yeah. You know winning their poll by 20% or more, and I've never seen that in eight or nine years of doing this. Uh, just really sure consensus on a class that uh, it seems to be that not one, not anyone's like super high on at this point anymore. So mm-hmm. um, just up top, there's no surprise. Bijan Robinson, uh, the change from pre-draft to post is that Anthony Richardson is the two. 
Uh, Bryce Young at three, CJ Stroud at four, Jameer Gibbs five, Jackson Smith and Jigba uh, six, Jordan Addison seven, Quentin Johnson eight, and Zay Flowers nine. Are there any surprises uh, in the first nine picks to you, or would you put anybody else ahead of any any of those nine players? Yeah, and those are two different questions, right? Um, I mean, obviously they are. You stated them separately, <laughs> but to me, the, the 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 question of surprise is no. I'm not surprised by this at all. I do disagree, however. Um, I'm not surprised that Anthony Richardson is everyone's QB one. He's not mine. Um, he's my QB three and he has been throughout the whole process. Well, not the whole process, but since he moved up, like he's never passed QB three for me. Um, even though I love, uh, the draft capital and all that, I still have concerns that he's going to be able to be a competitive NFL quarterback. He might be able to put up good fantasy numbers with his rushing regardless but if he's not winning games i don't know how long indianapolis rolls um him out there as far as like long-term dynasty uh perspective i think bryce young and cj stroud have much higher floors um and ultimately um their ceilings could be just as high so yes he is the crazy athlete that could break fantasy football i've heard that one before though and I've yet to really see it. Um, so go ahead and uh, put me down as a skeptic. But uh, I mean, I, I I would just swap him down to, to, I mean, I might have Gibbs ahead of him and have AR um, at um, at five. Yeah, and, and that's not crazy uh, at all. Um, I think five is probably about the floor that most people uh, would rank him uh, because at that point you're probably saying, you know, I'd rather have the other two other quarterbacks and I'd rather have maybe two of the running backs or something like that. Is that, is that where you are? Exactly. exactly. Yep. That's yeah. It. And that's, that's probably the full range. Cause I see, I see some people that are like, no, Anthony Richardson's 1.01. Cause he's the, you know, he's got the Konami code going for him. And so not only do I think he has a high seat, you know, that this is them. If Bijan Bijan had to play quarterback, where would you draft him? <laughs> if Bijan had to play quarterback? Yeah. Oh man um I, you know I, I mean I mean I'm just saying like it, it <laughs> like looking at your own like pass efficiency numbers and yeah. the the percentile the floor that you need to guarantee uh success like he's nowhere near that like I think yeah. people are just like like for fantasy purposes people are like oh yeah he can run so he's going to be the best and that might be the case but he also might be a liability throwing the football so that it doesn't really matter all that much yeah, and and I think we've we've talked about that some on the pod here before. Um, you know, he, he was you know below the 40th percentile in terms of advanced pass efficiency uh, profile metrics, and uh, it's not great. Um, even like his uh, EPA per play um, outside of his rushing uh, wasn't fantastic <laughs> uh, either. So like a bunch of other st- sticky metrics, he's just not there. Uh, and even in terms of like rushing yard market share, that would indicate you know elite. Uh, rushing ceiling at the next level like he's not uh in terms of like a because he, he's really not looking to run it which is a good thing but he's not like a 30 or 40 percent uh rushing yard market share guy either like lamar or anything like that so um <clears throat> i think we, we may just as a collective community be uh over projecting uh his ability as a passer um uh, and actually as a runner I, I know that he's really fast um exactly but what's That's, funny is like, i mean yeah desmond ritter actually wasn't that much slower, you know, like Justin Fields wasn't, uh, but he, and he actually, and what's funny with him is he, he actually ran a lot more than he did in college. And so maybe, maybe that's what happens with Richardson, but um, he hasn't and that's done why that. I, uh, and that's why I don't have him less than fifth. 
you know, like, because there yeah. is still the possibility. Whereas, like, Will Levis is not on my board at all. Like, I don't care how many rounds we're going. I'm not taking Will Levis. Um, yeah. Now it's a principal matter. But, like, they all <laughs> get it. That's why I said I'm not surprised that he's yeah. the QB1. He's just not mine. Yeah, so. that's fair because because yeah, and I don't I don't uh, knock anybody for going for it. I just uh, like talking about we're, the idea that um, we might just be a little too bullish, you know. Just addressing the it? fact that uh, with me, I I would have him fourth. I would uh, prefer Bijan and uh, both the other Bryce Young okay. and CJ Stroud to him. But then um, you'd have him over the, Gibbs. I do, and and it's yeah. not necessarily that I'd say that he has a safer chance of of being an elite contributor at his position. I think um, he's much less less safe than uh, Gibbs is even in that regard. But um, just having that player that has kind of like some insulated value probably for the next two plus years, uh, you know, regardless of how things go, just because of where he is now. Um, it, what, but what's odd to me is just there's this uh, extreme confidence with him, whereas there was extreme skepticism for the most part with uh, with Justin Fields. And um, – you know, we just saw like basically the best case scenario for a Richardson and right. yeah. what Fields last year was. And uh, Fields was a much better passer, like by every metric in existence, like every film charting process in existence. And so um, it, it's just interesting to over project, you know, that he'll be even more successful than that. And I think a lot of people are already there. And, uh, and I'm, I'm not there in terms of uh, assuming that that's going to be like his middle outcome. Like, yeah, cause I think right. most of his, his uh, mean out probably even his both his most common, you know, middle outcome and even his, uh, mean projection that probably pulls him up a little bit higher into the, you know, uh, 70th percentile is probably still failure. And so, <laughs> um, I think we just need to be okay with the fact that, Hey, if we're, if we're taking him in that pick two, three, four range, understanding the math behind it and, and recognizing that he's just a long shot. And if you're okay with that, awesome. Yeah. And if he hits, you'll be very happy, but you don't, we don't know. Like there's no one knows for sure what's going to happen. Um, looking at the next group here uh, that you mentioned, cause I think those top five are, you know, just people might, we may, might differ with the order, but the, those are the top five for, for me. I'm curious. Uh, do you have these wide receivers in the same order as uh, it goes, you know, Smith and Jigba, Addison, Quentin Johnston and then flowers. Is that how you break it down as well? Um, and then I, I'm curious too. like, I mean, we're, we're probably talking about this from a dynasty perspective as opposed to like mm-hmm. just redraft. But uh, uh, to me, um, there's a different order if you're talking redraft or dynasty as well. Yeah, I think so too. I think uh, one thing that people might not be uh, quite prepared for is the fact that the Ravens are actually going to pass the ball some this year, most mm-hmm. likely with Munkin coming in. I'm not saying they're going to throw uh, the ball 600 times, um, you know, I guess five offenses ago. <laughs> are you excited? Are you as excited about Munkin being there as I am? Because... I am. I'm a little bit skeptical just because I'm not sure the Ravens are just gonna be like, yeah, man, let's just throw it 600 times. You know, like, that's not really where they're gonna go with it. I don't think, but I'm excited just because I, I that means, hey, okay, this wasn't like a dead spot for Zay. You know, yeah, and, for, and that's why my wide receiver order actually differs from this at this point. As of this recording, I might flip flop again, but. <laughs> I'm pretty pretty set on uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba being one, Jordan Addison being two, uh, and Zay Flowers being three, um, and then we can get to Quentin Johnston after that. But uh, yeah, yeah, that, that, that's why it's it's not that different. But um, you know, if had they still been in the run only, you know, thirteen personnel mode, <laughs> another year, I would have I would have had to be way off as a. Uh, but I think there's there's hope that there will be offensive change. 
in a, a direction that uh, might have a lead wide receiver have more than like 400 or 500 yards. Yeah. Although, I mean, Georgia wide receivers didn't have passes funneled to them. I think, you know, you see what they did with Brock Bowers. You see even just like the amount of movement that the quarterback gets to generate. Uh, man, I think it's going to be amazing for Lamar and for Mark Andrews. I'm, I still am a little bit nervous for the receivers, but I think this is a great draft for the, like Zay Flowers going to Baltimore is great for real football too. You know, like I yeah. think it makes their team a, a hell of a lot better. Um, mm-hmm. Jackson Smith and Jigba is one that worries me in the short term. Um, just because while the Seattle Seahawks offense, their, their, you know, their willingness to pass increased quite a bit, excuse me. Part of that was because they had running back issues with, uh, with health and all that kind of stuff throughout the year. Now you've got Kenneth Walker there and Zach Charbonnet. Um, I could see them kind of rolling back to a more run heavy approach. And then also you've still got Tyler Lockett. You've still got DK Metcalf there. I think the short term, like just this year, I'm a little bit nervous for JSN. I think long term he's fine though. Yeah, yeah. For redraft, JSN is going to be a tough projection to be like, hey, he's an instant, you know, 1100, 1200 rookie of the year candidate just because, you know, Lockett is still there. But Lockett is going to be 31 by the end of September this year. So uh, this is just like the eventual Lockett heir to that that throne there where he could be the wide receiver one, you know, maybe even by the end of the year, just pass it off. Um, uh, The very latest, in my opinion, probably by the next year, just because he's that kind of alpha wide receiver one uh, type. I think he can be that guy and not just be a slot only despite his, you know, heavy usage in that regard in college. And so, yeah, he's, he's still the one for me, but yeah, short term, a little bit more concerns, but Addison's really fun because he might be the most productive one of, of the bunch in, in right away because they just need some other target that they could trust. That's not Justin Jefferson uh, there for the, for the Vikings. So I, I think to, to me, like he's, he's going to be a prime beneficiary of like that pull uh, towards the gravitational pull towards, Hey, let, let's just shade another defender on this side of the field. Cause Jefferson's over here in a similar way that we saw, you know, Juju Smith Schuster benefit from attention going elsewhere in his first and second year, we could see a similar uh, availability and targets and opportunity for Jordan Addison right away. Yeah. And, um, Hawkinson's still there too, right? Yeah. Yeah. I just, and, and they were desperate though. Yeah. They, they were desperate for, for anything. Right. So, yeah. I just uh, mean, it's it, like, there, it's not like it's there, there's other weapons on the field that they have to, uh, that defenses have to worry about it. It could, it could work out. Yeah. Yeah. Work out. Yeah, and, and, and Hawkins, no slouch. They just, they, that's why they added him too. Cause like they just yeah. needed some L someone else that could, you know, stretch and add some after the, after contact, after the catch. And so, and after the catch and, and really just separating in, in his own right, Addison is, he just has not struggled with that. Um, maybe in terms of physicality, there are some questions uh, in, in press situations, but yeah, <laughs> uh, he, he's going to do just fine and, and might be the yeah. most productive of the bunch right away. Uh, Quentin, Quentin Johnson is, is in a good spot to replace one of, you know, probably, mm-hmm. you know, Keenan eventually, I guess, even though he really fits more like the Mike Williams <laughs> um, role in my opinion, but uh you know, he's still good. I just, he's just kind of wide receiver for, and if it weren't for capital, he might, might not even be that for me. Right. Um, so yeah, that, that's where I am with the, with the next tier. I think we're lockstep there. Uh, why don't you take us through some, uh, uh, finish out that, that first round for us and then maybe jump into the second sure. round. Pick 10 by consensus, according to, uh, you know, all the thousands of people that voted in this thing. 
uh, was Will Levis. And I uh, like you know, the caveat because, there. <laughs> yeah. This was not yeah. me. This was the people. This, <laughs> yeah, this is the voice of the people, not Travis in this case. Uh, and I, you know, he went to the, my Titans, and I just am not a fan of the of the pick. It's really frustrating. Um, I hope it, hope it works out for my fandom, per, you know, purposes. I guess, but uh, I just wouldn't bet on that because we've been over it before. He doesn't have the upside in athleticism that, uh, or even the floor of, of athleticism that uh, Richardson provides, and he doesn't have the peak passing ability and, and profile of a Young or a Stroud. And so it it made sense, guys. Like it absolutely made sense. And made zero sense that there was any buzz that he would be the first overall selection right. on on draft day, um, and so it's just yeah, it's it's like almost first round capital. So I get going for a quarterback in that range just by default, especially given that there's not like a an obvious feature back pick here or an obvious hey first round wide receiver value still here. Uh, but yeah, pick ten was Levis, and then went Dalton Kincaid as the tight end one, and then uh, pick twelve was actually De- Devin A. Chain. So. Uh, glad to see that just because he has that elite speed. We've been talking about him for multiple years as like really one of our favorite players uh, in this class. We weren't sure uh, if he'd get the capital for a while just because of his size, but uh, he's in, in a perfect style offense for him. And uh, the guys that he's combating with uh, just have not stayed healthy themselves. And so um, he's in a good spot to maybe be the third most productive back in year one and maybe long-term, like even though he does have size questions. So, uh, pick 12 for a chain that that's, that feels like a value somehow, uh, at the end of round one. Yeah. I mean, it's an interesting landing spot that that dolphins team has so much speed. It's ridiculous. <laughs> so like, yeah. um, it's going to be really hard for defenses to, to know how to queue up on people. I mean, I don't, I, I don't know how you defend, um, the amount of speed they have there. Um, I, again, you know, Dalton Kincaid for me is not my tight end one. We've, we've discussed this. But um, again, not surprising to see him go there. And everyone knows my thoughts on Levis. Um, we neither one of us would have him in our first round. But um, I think the the way I would change it, I guess I I would probably have both Superflex tight end premium. Um, I'd probably round out that round with with all three of the tight ends myself. Yeah. Um, yeah. Have Sam Laporta in there as well as Mayor um, with Kincaid. And honestly. Um, the more I think about it, the the more I think you can kind of mix and match who you think your tight end one is. For me, it goes Mayer, uh, Laporta, and then Kincaid, actually. Um, and that's not just to be hot takey, although it's kind of fun. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it was like we've already kind of hit on that some, but uh, it's funny how late, uh, by comparison, you know, when, when talking about Kincaid and where he went, where the other two guys actually went, because they're basically another full tier after uh, yeah. this 10, 11, 12 in this consensus mock draft um, with uh, basically just Zach Charbonnet and Kendra Miller uh, at 2.01 and 2.02. Can you, since that's a tier break for you, can you sit, like I get the Zach Charbonnet love. I do. I'm a huge Zach Charbonnet fan. And I think Seattle probably just does a RBBC type thing, but with two yeah. backs and they have both, I think they'll both be productive RB2s throughout the year. Um, but Kendry Miller talk to me because I'm, I'm not as high on him as a lot of other people, uh, partially, mm-hmm. like I loved him last year for TCU. I, I, we talked about this. I made so much money using him in DFS. It was ridiculous. Um, but still, again, I'm not sure about the health. I don't love the f- love, like the short term. Um, and for a running back, if you're not hitting it in the short term, I get really nervous that you're going to be around long enough to, to contribute. So, uh, where are you on Kendry Miller? 
I think the assumption for a lot of people is that Kamara uh, is going to get suspended still, and so uh, Miller is going to have some kind of opportunity uh, to uh, to, to you know, make. Can make you remind and, me what why Kamara is going to be suspended? It's some sort of assault charge, essentially. Okay, and so so that's will probably, probably be less games than if he was gambling. Or smoking yeah. weed. Basically, the, the inverse but of whatever more. you would expect. <laughs> yeah. that, that's how many games he's going to be suspended for actually assaulting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, whatever. Uh, but I, I don't know all the details, and I don't really want to get into. I don't. No, like, no, no. no. You that's know, you know, living in the off-field stuff. But that's. I think a lot of people. That's been chatter, especially like even in, in my leagues. Like when somebody makes the pick, and somebody, of course, has to give them a hard time about making the pick. But um, they brought in know, Williams as well, right? Yeah, and so it's 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 like I, I'm not sure he's got an automatic uh, feature back role anyway. You slice it, but um, I, I like the talent. Uh, it was a bit surprising to see uh, where he went, just in terms of like order of selection, I guess. Yeah, but I think he has a pretty decent opportunity uh, in year one to prove that he is uh, viable and prove prove to to be like the guy um, in a post Camaro world because um, that 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 is going to be coming at some point we can't Coaching. all just yeah always uh you know rely on the, the class of 2017 running backs to just last forever it's just not going to happen and so yeah you know maybe he's that guy uh because you know we saw camara come in and be a, a third round pick people kind of forget he wasn't like a first round slam dunk mm-hmm. um himself he was a five star coming out of high school but he wasn't that uh you know first round pick and so maybe we we get something like that out of uh, kendra miller i don't like the revisionist history when people talk about like um, like Miller and, and Zach Evans when they were teammates. Cause I, even just this week I've heard on a couple shows, cause all I do is listen to podcasts <laughs> uh, that, uh, you know, people were talking about how Miller basically had beaten out Zach Evans and one that that's not what happened. Uh, and so like Zach Evans showed I actually up wrote the exact opposite of that. I said it took Zach Evans leaving to give Kendra Miller the opportunity. Yeah, to play. honestly, that, that's, that's how I see it. That's how I but see that, it. That's not even like how anyone should see it. That's how it happened. Like he was yeah. like Zach Evans showed up late. Like he wasn't there for any of the spring as a freshman shows up late, um, gets up to speed with the offense about halfway through the year and, and is incredibly efficient averages like over eight yards a touch. And then as a sophomore, Zach Evans shows up and through like six games is on pace for 1600 yards from scrimmage and Kendra Miller's not. Uh, and then, you know, Evans is injured and then Miller has a really good, uh, you know, down the stretch, I guess that was 2021. And uh, Evans decides to transfer out of TCU for whatever reason, because, you know, he just can't stay in one, more than one place for like a year and a half. Um, and, you know, that dating back to forever. Uh, and, and so he goes to Ole Miss and there are questions about, you know, why he's not being the feature at Ole Miss. And there's all sorts of, you know, rumblings about off-field or whatever again. And so it's it's off-field off stuff. I get it. And so I get that that's why he dropped in the draft. But, man, in terms of just raw talents, it's just yeah. confusing as to, to the gap between Kendra Miller and Zach Evans. Because when they were teammates, Zach Evans was a younger, better version <laughs> and yeah. a better athlete. And so yeah. it's... It's just one of those things we can't know because we don't we don't interview Zach Evans. Yeah. We don't we can hear the rumblings and we can follow his career and understand that he's ruffled some feathers like everywhere he's been, but we don't really know the details. Um, and so and then, maybe, yeah. yeah I, but. And then at his pro day, he ran a four four five and he had like a great shuttle time. Um, I, I think if Quinshawn Judkins doesn't end up at Ole Miss and uh, Zach Evans runs that at the combine. I think his stock, he would have been drafted quite a bit higher. Um, yeah, so. I, you got to believe that that would be the case. But 
Um, just, it's just odd that uh, Kendra Miller was that dude, but he, here we are. Yeah. And so I think this makes sense. Pick 14-ish, given the possible short-term opportunity and the capital thresholds that we like to see. Yeah, I mean, uh, shoot your shot here. But I, I do understand that taking, especially in tight end premium leagues, I, I'd, I'd lean you know, Mayer and Laporta uh, in this range instead of uh, maybe either of the running backs. I know people want to you know dunk on tight ends and the landscape that is the tight ends in the NFL right now, but this class might be the one that actually finally fixes it. Um, we've, we've been waiting on it for a while, and we saw nine tight ends go inside the first and second days of this draft this year, and that's literally never happened in the history of the NFL draft. We've never had nine tight ends inside the first three rounds. Right. Um, so this is potentially literally the best tight end class ever. Um, and I hope that's the case because we need it yeah, badly. We need it. And then add Brock Bowers next year and then we can all exhale and, uh, yeah. and move on. Uh, take us yeah. through this, uh, the, the, the next round you kind of yeah. call this your, your consolation prizes. <laughs> yes. uh, so yeah. Let's um, yeah. Pick 15 was Michael Mayer. Uh, 16 was, uh, you know, the fourth pick in second round was Jonathan Mingo for some reason. And then Marvin Mims, uh, wide receiver six there at pick 17, uh, 18 was Sam Laporta, 19, Jaden Reed, 20, Josh Downs and 21, Roshan Johnson. Um, and there weren't really many surprises in this range just cause I, I, I typically, um, you know, I, I typically feel like I, I follow, uh, where people are on consensus ratings. I, I, I thought Mingo might last a little bit longer just because of how much lower he was pre-draft. Um, you know, he was like, you know, nobody's, you know, top 25 ish uh, ranks for a long time. Uh, and for him to jut up like he did just cause he went as early as he did in the draft. Uh, it just feels like, Hey, this is, this is probably the wrong decision at <laughs> this, at this point yeah. in the draft. Um, and, and I know that there are a lot of people who like to posture and say, well, well, Draft capital, Travis. Um, and there's just been some great work done in, in like the last two years or so. Uh, I just actually shared a piece on this that Anthony Amico wrote for uh, Establish the Run, where he was talking about like when players actually get reached for, you know, quote unquote, reached for, like based on like consensus mock draft data, if they're drafted, you know, a half round ahead or more of where they're expected to go, um, that actually typically does not go well. Like that, mm. there are not very many hits among the quote unquote reaches, uh, or like really, uh, really big time, inevitably bad reaches, uh, in terms of draft capital history, especially outside of round one, like round one capital. Uh, absolutely. That means something typically for teams in terms of their investment. But once you get outside of that range, if, you, if you're reaching for a player that does not have the, the analytical profile or, um, you know, fit uh, within the modern game, which is kind of where Mingo is. Uh, it's just not really a, a really uh, safe projection for, um, you know, fantasy football goodness, I guess. I mean, like mm -hmm. just to break it down, Mingo is, he's, you know, an old school kind of archetype X wide receiver that is bigger bodied. Um, he's a little bit more versatile than that. Like he actually wind up in the slot some, not just anchored to the line of scrimmage or any, anything like that on the outside. But he was in slots. Um, he actually lined up as an inline tight end like over a hundred times uh, this this last year. That's crazy. Um, yeah, but just he's he's a huge dude. Like he's a huge, yeah. strong, physical wide receiver. So uh, I get that you know drafting a player for real football purposes, which is what the NFL is doing. Like, hey, get a guy who can punch a linebacker in the face. Yeah, that, yeah. that's absolutely valuable. And so to have a guy like that um, for real football purposes it would, it would make it would make sense for them because they they want to win games. 
uh, we want to win fantasy games. And blocking and punching a one linebacker in the face might give you a high snap count, but it's probably not going to give you a high targets per route run or, you know, <laughs> targets per snap rate or uh, fantasy points scored necessarily. Uh, and, you know, we can talk about his contested catch rates, um, which is pretty good, or his ability to work the vertical stem in the route tree. Here's which, my, here's my problem with talking about yeah. high catch, like good contested catch rates in college yeah. is that uh, doing it against college corners is one thing. That means mm-hmm. you're not getting separation. That's what I hear when I say when I hear that. Um, because once you're in the NFL, I mean, we've talked about this. It's yeah. you're going to be covered even more, and they're going to be a lot better with their hands. And so yeah. uh, that's that's one that if you're doing it in the NFL, like if you're if you have a high contested catch rate rate in the NFL, I think that has a lot more signal in the in college. Oh, yeah. It can kind of feel like noise uh, to oh, me. Oh yeah, and, and exactly, and and that. that... I'm just, I would rather you be really good at separating yeah. and rather you ha- have a really fantastic production profile and, um, you know, fit in a role that I don't think is just going to be there to block and, you know, be there for a few shots a game deep or, you know, win on like just a move the sticks seven yard in because you're a physical guy who can, you know, punch somebody out just for yeah. a short look because he's good at that kind of thing. But um, like a high volume receiver, I just don't think that that's in the cards for Mingo. That's not who he's been. That's not who he will probably ever be. And so taking him at, at the five over Mims, over Reed or Downs, or I mean, even several other guys who are going later, uh, does not make uh, any sense uh, to me whatsoever. Agreed. All right. Yeah, yeah. You mentioned Josh Downs. He's a guy who I've always, I mean, we talk about him all year. We we lo- we both love uh, the talent that is Josh Downs, and more importantly, uh, Drake Mazing, who will be. Uh, you know, the one Oh two next year. But um, how did you feel about downs? I feel like given all things like his, his, his comps and stuff like that. Like if you go into like the, those road of his tools and look at like some of the player comps that pop out when you look at like his, his draft capital and some of that, you've got some good names on there, you know, and um, I don't have it right in front of me. I could pull it up, but uh, I'm kind of excited about Josh downs low key. I, I don't think it's as great as a location or as great as draft capital as we were hoping for. But to me, there still is a path considering um, that he he did go as late as he did. Uh, there's still a path to to success for him uh, in my book. But I, I think you know calling it a consolation prize feels about right. Yeah, because you know it's not perfect capital. He he doesn't have perfect size. But if if you're gonna draft a wide receiver to really help out uh, your young quarterback and Anthony Richardson, uh, Josh Downs is that guy, man. Yeah, because like, he um you know not only ha- ha- having fantastic yards per everything in terms of his production profile we don't have to get into the ner- nerdy stuff we've talked about that h- here before uh but even in, for a small guy he does like sorry but he does have a really good contested catch rate <laughs> it's not very, <laughs> that he, it's very often that he has to make contested contested catches but he has a higher rate than you know guys that are like six four like it's really yeah. weird um but he's also just incredibly gifted at the catch point in terms of uh you know if it's thrown behind him or if it's thrown below him you know he's just he, he can find the ball and so like poorly thrown balls you know if, if you got a quarterback that's not the most consistent on underneath stuff um and who is also a really good pocket manipulator who can add some time and, and get outside the pocket like Richardson can uh yeah Downs is an excellent freestyler man like oh, not just sure. route running like he's just a gifted smart football player that uh if you watch him for long not just on the highlights but like even in plays where he's not targeted he's just incredibly smart and so uh, I think he could get a lot more targets than a typical guy in his capital range would. Um, and so getting him at pick 20 is probably stealing uh, in yeah. those drafts. 
I like it a lot. And if you look at like the a uh, the average yard per attempt or whatever for his for quarterbacks, um, and you compare like the the catch rates on those deep passes, like Downs is by far the most successful. And they've had other good wide receivers at North Carolina, but you just see the difference. Like he is very good down the field. He's very good vertically. And he, like yeah. I said, like not all of them are contested, but when they are, he's able to pull them in. Like he's a really high uh, catch percentage on like the 20 yard plus. It's just insane. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I will say Jaden Reed, he did go in, in this consensus mock one ahead, one ahead of downs. And yeah. uh, a few weeks ago, that would have been crazy. But that's not absolutely insane. Like Reed is Reed actually broke out as a true freshman by back at Western Michigan. Mr. And we've known he was he was a difference maker for a while. We just weren't confident he was going to get get the capital because of you know how his career went with the transfer, going to Michigan State, coming back for an extra year. And like, okay, maybe he's not who we thought. Um, you know, he took an entire year off in in, in the middle of all that. So, but he, yeah. he's a gifted player who's been ascending. So, uh, I don't let him fall outside of this this range. I, I think it would be an error to get, you know, let him get past pick 21. Um, but I'm not, not all for uh, Roshan Johnson, you know, being the answer in Chicago. Where are you on him? Same. I mean, I feel like, I feel like most of uh, the, the valuable rushing yards are, are going to be fields, <laughs> you know, like I, I don't, I don't have a whole, I mean, this part of the draft, absolutely take a flyer on him, but um, I, I'm not expecting a whole lot from him there. It feels even long term. I feel like it's a, a placeholder. You know, it doesn't feel yeah. like that's what they're going to try to to roll out as their answer. No, I, I am. I'm the, the, just to round out round two and kind of wrap this thing up. Uh, it's funny to me. Uh, it seems like people have finally come around to the fact that okay, I'm not just going to draft the next Chiefs wide receiver because he's with Mahomes. Right. That's not how this works. Like <laughs> the Chiefs have brought in several guys who've just not been uh, fantastic for fantasy. Because uh, Kelsey's still that dude, um, and, and Rashi Rice, it, it does not feel like he's going to be the guy. And I think a lot of people Agreed. just understand that he's, while he's good, he's probably just a role player, um, yeah. and he's probably not going to be a high volume fantasy stud. And so, for the first time ever, I think uh, the community got it right, <laughs> not reaching for hey, he's with the Chiefs, blah, 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 you know, make a wide receiver, whatever, uh, like they did with uh, Miko Hardman, and saw him not figured out for like four years. Yeah, uh, yeah so. I'm I proud of them for, for not, you yeah. know drafting him at 22nd overall, and then Tank Bigsby and Tajay Spears rounded out the end of round two. Uh, but do you have a favorite in that tier of those three? I mean, I think for two reasons, it's Tank Bigsby. Like I've liked him, and I'm a Jaguars fan. And uh, <laughs> there you go. Travis Travis Etienne has been in the NFL for two years now and only played in one season. You know, like he's missed more than half his games. Um, so you know, there, there's room there in that in that backfield for him to get work. I could see them using, you know, ATN in a lot of different ways and giving Tank the opportunity to run the ball a little bit more inside. So I think it could be fun. Like I don't think I don't think Snoop Connor is going to get in the way of Tank Bigsby. No, I don't think so either. And <laughs> I think they're really uh, stylistically Tank just supplements, compliments rather, uh, ATN really well. So yeah, I like uh, it. I'm a huge I, fan. I think it's the right spot. Yeah, you again, I, I think it's a great football move, a great football move, and it might be an yeah. okay fantasy move. <laughs> yeah, and and gone are the the days where we see like twenty plus feature backs. We, we're we're right. seeing, uh, we've gotten into this a little bit before, but we're seeing like 40, 50 running backs who are proving to be efficient um, efficient on lower volume. The the league has figured this out, and so we're just going to have this. This is going to be the normal. We're going to be like, oh, I hate that landing spot every single year. Yeah, but 
all these guys find ways to produce and, you know, peak up into the RB2 range here and there for you anyway. So, yeah, I really like Tank Bigsby. Ty J Spears was an absolute waste of a pick for the Titans. Like, I didn't like, like their he, draft, but I'm sorry. No, it was it was not great. Um, and, I wanted them uh, to take a You know, he doesn't even have ACLs. Like, it's just they're yeah. gone, apparently. Uh, so, uh, really weird from just a health standpoint to invest in that kind of capital in him. And when you still have Derrick Henry, I understand he wants somebody behind him. Get somebody uh, that can actually be behind him and, and replace something. Um, you know, take a Charbonnet. Take a, you know, insert any other bigger body guy <laughs> um, besides... Yeah. Spears. Uh, so, you know, it's just like, just hey, but hey they'll get Caleb Williams next year. You'll be fine. <sighs> yeah. Just, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I can only dream. Uh, yeah. But other guys receiving votes in this poll uh, mock Hen and Hooker, I was surprised did not sneak up into round two, given his profile. Uh, Jalen Hyatt for the Giants. Um, they don't have any wide receivers that are really impressive there so we're uh, a quarterback um yeah right so <laughs> it's just it's just odd because he was like wide receiver five or six or something like that yeah and then he's like not even a second rounder now even though he got day two capital it's just it's interesting and the then big, luke yeah. musgrave tied in to the packers cedric tillman wide receiver to the browns chase brown running back to the Bengals and tank dell the second tank in this draft yeah uh, i just call i just i, I call him nathaniel dell because he, he's too. not a tank he is not a dude that he's dude tiny. Is tiny he's five seven he's very tiny uh yeah. but yeah he, he also he's like uh, a micro machine he really oh, yes gotcha. that, that that's no, so mean we did it <laughs> kind of true. that's so mean uh yeah but um any, i do like chase brown yeah. yeah chase brown with the joe mixon situation being kind of unresolved um rumors of course but you know when you're this this late, a rumor like that might have, if it has legs, Chase Brown could put himself um, in a position to have a pretty decent workload. And and I think he can handle it. And I think he is a type of back that could excel. I'm not going to count on it. That's why I don't have him in you know my top 15. But um, I do have him at the end of my second round. I have him a little bit higher than this. Nice. Yeah, I um, I just have Hyatt and Hooker. Not not because I'm in Tennessee. I'm not even a Tennessee fan. I right. hate that orange, by the way. It looks dumb. Just wear the gray uniforms all the time. <laughs> Um, but, uh, you know, Henry Hooker is like back to back 95th percentile seasons and yeah, even running like, uh, if people are concerned about the scheme, uh, you know, he ran a, more of like a pro system at Virginia, Virginia tech with some spread concept and tempo. Uh, and, and so like, he's just got a vast experience and he should at this point, uh, and, and really a really good resume. And yes, he's coming off injury, but he should be ready early, early in the season. So, yeah, um, I took him know. at two Oh nine in that mock draft with sean siegel that i did so nice. i like him in the in the end of the second as well that makes sense I and mean, you know because like uh, analytically speaking he's like the third or fourth quarterback in terms of like just by the math yeah. projections and so uh, there's there's all sorts of ways he finds his way into a starting role i mean garrett goff actually saves the lions over 25 million against the cap next year if he's not on the team that's huge that's huge um so yeah i mean he had a, he had his like his best career year i think a lot of people missed that last year goff did but still um you know, if, yeah. if he wants to work up into that starting role, there's there are ways to have that hap- uh, happen next year. Um, yeah. But and then Hyatt, of course, I think is my favorite in this this tier. But besides that, yes, he basically only did one thing in college, uh, and I've got major concerns about uh, fitting schematically. But man, like outside of round two, that's just kind of kind of disrespectful for somebody who put five touchdowns up on Bama. So right, right. I mean, which and, is funny because you were kind of lower on Hyatt pre-draft yeah but now it's just like okay guys the hate has gone too far yeah it's it's yeah yeah, it's reached a he's like wide receiver 10 by consensus now let's yeah slow slow this down a bit 
cool. Well, that was fun, dude. Um, I got to get running. I've got someone trying to fix my washing machine. So that's uh, exciting. <laughs> yes. There you go. <laughs> Real, living the dream over here in, in uh, Colorado. But cool, man. It was good talking and uh, we'll be back next week and we'll uh, get into some more stuff. I'm sure. Yep. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at FF underscore Travis M. You can find Stefan at Stefan Leco. And uh, we'll see you next time on another College to Canton podcast. All right. See y'all. Bye.